Hello and welcome, friends, to this week's edition of Truth to Power with me, Justin Mogg, co-hosting. I'm a producer here at the station of a show called Sustainability Now, but I sometimes jump in on Truth to Power. And I'm happy to be co-hosting again with station co-founder Ruth Newman. Welcome, Ruth. Well, hello there. <laughs> nice to be here, Justin. Yeah, it's been a long time since you and I made some radio magic together. So I'm glad Indeed. we're doing it today. Uh, and another person who has been with the station for a long time since the beginning is also joining us today. Uh, that's a little tease. We're going to do introductions in a second. Let me first lay out the subject of today's Truth to Power. We are wrapping up January with a look at January being National Slavery and Human Traffic Awareness Month. Uh, and we're so excited to have three guests with us here on the program today. Uh, two of them live in studio with me. And then Jeanette Westbrook is in the virtual studio with us. And she's the one who's been with Forward Radio since we went on air coming up on nearly five years ago. Welcome, Jeanette. Hi, <laughs> it's great to be with you today, Justin, yeah. Ruth, and Regina. Uh, in celebration, I'm wearing my blue, which is the color for Human Trafficking Awareness oh, Month. I would encourage right. anybody with what's left of this month uh, to wear that color as much as you can. But thank you for having me today. It's a pleasure. Oh, yeah. Jeanette Westbrook has been a longtime human rights activist and defender uh, and a social worker here in Louisville and has been just we couldn't have a better expert here on human trafficking. And we have uh, two folks uh, who are integral to this movement as well. They're from an organization called People Against Trafficking Humans or PATH. It's the PATH Coalition of Kentucky, which you can learn more about online at pathcoalitionofky.org. They're also on Facebook at Path Coalition of KY. And those folks are Reggie Carico, board president. Welcome, Reggie. Hello. <laughs> it's good to have you here in the ver in the actual <clears throat> studio with me. Uh, and Teresa Hayden is here, immediate past board president. Welcome. Thank you so much. And I came up here with Jeanette. I cannot believe it's been five years <laughs> since it started. That's amazing. It has been five years wow. for uh, Forward Radio, and they just keep growing <laughs> i would love to come back we're in the human factor yes I'm really throwing out to anyone out there who would like to join me who is knowledgeable in human trafficking to join me and has some great tech abilities <laughs> to help me with the show it really takes about two people to get a program up and running every single week and i would love to do that again thank you yeah, fantastic. Um, so, yes, let's first of all, let's orient ourselves about what is this People Against Trafficking Humans Coalition? How long has it been around? Um, well, my math sucks, but we started <laughs> around uh, 2013. But in okay. 2014, we officially became an organization. Um, so the founding group kind of wanted to look at education outreach regarding human trafficking and then a long term goal establishing a home and shelter. Um, but as those, you know, as time went on, they eventually developed a, and we became a 501c3. Um, we've done different things. We've done a billboard around Derby time in 2015. Um, and now our biggest focus is 
putting on um, providing education and outreach um, to different professional organizations. Uh, in addition, we also uh, work collaboratively with other organizations in Louisville and elsewhere. So I would imagine January is often a big month for you all. Yes. <laughs> but there is there is there are excuses year round to bring up the issue of human trafficking, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, usually, especially here in Louisville, they like to focus on looking at like big events. So one of our big events is the Derby. So they usually have a lot more um, increased publicity around human trafficking because there's more people coming into the city. So with more people coming in, there's the higher numbers of um, trafficking situations that are occurring. Um, Let's see, early last year, we actually got interviewed by WHAS 11, and they asked, uh, they interviewed a social media expert, um, a detective, I think he was co-sworn in for, I believe, LMPD, and then and the FBI, and then myself, and we kind of talked about it um, that way. So in addition to the Derby, there's also, you know, any of the basketball conferences that we have, or <coughs> even... Um, uh, the Kentucky Fair is also another one, just oh. because there's more people that come into one area. The so State Fair. All right, so I think we should be a little more explicit since we have the time for a full hour. What is human trafficking? Why is it tied to these big events? Um, so uh, human trafficking is the uh, recruiting, harboring, um, and exploiting of an individual either in a labor scenario or in a sex trafficking scenario. So it's kind of broken up into two things. Um, and you could also even look at it as from a familial trafficking expect. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, think about small isolated uh, communities either in Kentucky or around the or around the country where, you know, families need money or, you know, exchange for anything else. So they'll often sell family members and even and more often than not children so wow so this is taking particularly vulnerable people yes and those we can we can enumerate what types of people are usually trafficked why don't we do that right i i often associate it with foreigners who are trying to come to the country to work it's right but i'm sure it's option, much more yeah. than that right yep um you'll think about it this way so obviously our refugee population and immigrant population are very vulnerable because you know they have language barriers they don't understand what you know things they have um, and then on the national side you'll think um individuals who have a higher adverse childhood event score so those that have experienced you know abuse and neglect when they were young oh. um so they're especially vulnerable looking for someone who's uh, trying to provide some sort of like love encouragement they build a relationship with them and right. then they flip it into a trafficking scenario that process is called grooming um and then anybody else, uh, our homeless populations also at higher risk, those in poverty. Um, there's also numbers that are around that say, you know, individuals that are BIPOC are at higher risk for it as well as, and also our queer community. Wow. Okay. So yes, you're just hitting on like all the demographics of people who tend to be more marginalized, correct? more vulnerable. Yes. These folks are more likely to end up getting trafficked, mm -hmm. but what trafficking looks like it sounds like it can come in many forms absolutely it's, it's not necessarily a stranger in the bushes kidnapping someone it, right that's in fact that's pretty rare compared to these other scenarios yeah right? so we like to look at how we like to explain it is they want something that is 
um, low risk but high reward. So they're going to build relationships with individuals and or portray um, the too good work scenario um, type of thing uh, and along that way. Huh. Ruth, feel free to jump in if you if you're curious about any of this because I'm all I'm kind of new to this whole topic too. So yeah, <laughs> I am too, and I am curious when you were asking Justin about um, what kinds of uh, situations, whether it has to do with large populations coming in, like during the Derby. Yeah. Or my question is, does it have anything at all? And I have no idea to do with the type of event, whether it's a sporting event. Whether, because uh, at one time I heard on not National Public Radio that at big sporting events, they di they discovered that the that the people whose team won, those are the people who tend to become more violent and aggressive with people they know, their wives, you know, their girlfriends, whatever. Oh, so domestic violence is that is that related? Yeah. You know, it's, it's 365 days a year, but yes, there is data, definitely. And Dr. Teresa Hayden has a wonderful study out about that data and those numbers. We definitely see that with uh, uh, sporting events. But another big convention, a huge convention that we have in Louisville, the uh, farmers. Uh, yeah, the farm and tractor show, I think, is the one you're yes. referring to. Mm huge huge uh influx and, and we definitely see um those contacts for prostitution which is really trafficking as the the uh women and or children are brought into louisville for those buyers specifically and you see uh the peaks you see them on social media uh, and over the years, it's just getting more bold. I think you might acknowledge that, Regina. They're just like out there. Um, and it's just very obvious as to what they're doing. Really? Yeah, I actually get social media. And here recently, I've actually had a couple of spam text messages saying, oh, perfect job, get $500 a day or whatever that they're offering. I'm like, all right, this is wow. like, they're like saying easy work and things like that. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is super fishy. But for someone who doesn't know any better, or is truly just needing work, they're like, oh, well, this sounds great. And they're reaching out to me. And um, same thing with like Instagram, I'll get a ton of things, you know, letting, you know, saying things, selling things. And wow. it's just like, all right, this is super fishy. And I don't <laughs> like any of this. Um, Here, here's one. For, here's a good one. Uh, volunteer for the Kentucky Derby and get into events for free. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah, wow. that's not questionable at all, especially wow. since the the point of the derby is to make a ton of money. Right. So why or how <laughs> could you possibly get in for free? Right. <laughs> oh my goodness, uh, Dr. Hayden, I want to bring you into this too. You. Uh, well, I just kind of want to build on the the sports thing, and then I'm going to take it a little bit further and broader. Uh, yes, we have seen a lot of increased activity. Because it's a it's an exploitation situation. It's supply and demands. There are people who demand this, and then they're looking for their supply. Their supply are vulnerable people, as we've already mentioned. Yeah. Now the 
sporting events, the study that I did several years ago was related to Backpage.com, and I worked with a graduate student, and we looked at the ads. And at that time, Backpage had a section that was for specifically for adult entertainment type things. I mean, it was very clear. So we monitored those ads uh, for 15 months here in Louisville. And we did it a week before a major event and then a week after. And we definitely could see a spike at the, week, the two days of the event. It was absolutely true. So we found a spike increase. Over those 15 months, there was an average of 55 ads identified specifically for sex trafficking. Huh. We could identify for that. So that was our average, 55 per day. On, at the Derby events, and we were able to cover two derbies, the ads went up to uh, 120. Wow. Okay, so that's an increase. What that says is the supply and demand factor. There are people with a lot of money to spend, and this is one of their ways that they believe they have a right to spend it, is to exploit other people for this situation. So they demand it. Then there are people who want to make the money, and they're willing to supply it. So they, they might be uh, having someone that they work with a one-time basis. They've tricked them into this, or they've got them trapped in a, through drugs or many other ways, and they're supplying this. Mm. The most astounding thing about that study that we did was the highest ad was the weekend of the L Memphis game here in Louisville. This was about 2015, sometime around then. The ads for that one day of the games went up to 160. Wow. And we were able to identify that 12% of those ads were for minors. That would mean a young person under 18 years of age was being sold for sex for someone around here. So that being said, that kind of came out of what Ruth referred to before the domestic violence and aggression that was noticed around big sporting events. So we had experienced this same thing ourselves. Now, this is where the myth and misunderstanding about human trafficking, I think, occurs. Mm. Because then we leave the impression that this is all related to big sporting events. Right. It's not it would not be me. It would not be anybody I know. It's these other people out there who do these bad things. Okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, the reality of human trafficking is it's an exploitation of any vulnerable person that can take care of, take advantage of. I have been teaching a course at the university for, at the university level, on human trafficking for 10 years or so. And through that time, I've learned the exploitation happens all over the world. It's in front of us, and we don't see it. it it's invisible. Does it happen more in the U.S. than elsewhere? No, it's, okay. it's universal. It's an exploitation. And the way that we participate in it is, where do you get your chocolate? What kind of chocolate is your favorite chocolate? Godiva? Nestle? Those companies are some of the largest producers in the world who exploit children in slavery to produce that chocolate for us. Yep. The same thing with coffee. 
the fishing industry in Asian areas, huge. And I'm so careful where I buy my food and I read the labels carefully. Where did that product come from? So that's just the part I want to expand on here, lest we leave our audience thinking this is all about the sex trafficking of girls and young women. Right. And I know that's a serious problem. It's not all of it. Right. But it's, only, it is, it's, it a, is, it's a piece of the story. It's a piece of the story, yes. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's really a good point, uh, Dr. Hayden, uh, uh, on please look at and, and do some research on where the products come from. Now, when we talk about, and it's really just related to pure greed, they could actually do something much different, but it's related to greed. Now, when it, and, but in this country, it's mostly sex trafficking that we know of, is that you have persons, mostly men, that are out here buying that creates the demand okay so if we had less demand we would have fewer traffickers and others that are moving selling or whatever victims or potential victims into this industry right. because it is an industry we actually have laws on the books against prostitution, except for those few counties in Nevada, that it's absolutely illegal to buy or sell. Yet we do not enforce those laws. Or if we do, we mostly focus on the people selling, right? <laughs> those are the ones who exactly. we, we only yeah. are focused on the traffickers yes, yes. and not the buyers who create the demand right. in all of this. As a matter of fact, those who are buyers are kept anonymous. Yeah. Hidden. Their names aren't even released to the public. Wow. Uh, in uh, prostitution, which is the goal of sex trafficking, is to place women and children <laughs> into prostitution because the formula is very simple. That's where the money is. Right. Jeanette, can okay. I just jump in real quickly? Sure. I want to relate that to the um, stings that occur quite often by law enforcement. And we had a big one last year. I was uh, monitored by the governor's office and our law enforcement here in Kentucky, and they did a sting, and they had, I think, 42 arrests alone at one time for, for the sex trafficking. And they had different ways that they monitor this and they'll expect, you know, the truck stops, different places where they are, are going to find the people. And this took place over several states. But what you've just said there really says so much because they never identified the buyers mm -hmm. and yet, and they didn't even get charged with a, 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 a crime. <laughs> So they identified and they took in the young women who were caught in those situations. Hopefully, they have been given some services and are provided ways out. We don't know that. Who knows? We don't know that, but it's the crime that happens. The prosecutions are so hard to go forward with, and they're not addressing that demand side of it. And I think you said something really important there. Have you gathered any data on that about the 
percentage of prostitution-related crimes that are uh, prosecuted against the seller versus the buyer? Is it? I don't have any data okay. on that, but I do know that we, we don't have prosecutions. Yeah, you they don't, don't happen. Yeah. So you might hear of these big stings. You're going to hear the big PR situations, but then where's the follow-up? Yeah, yeah. What happened? How did this stop and prevent this from another time? And, yeah. and those of us who work in this are so familiar with the common areas, where it's happening, where it's taking place, that it, it just becomes a point of where's the prosecution? Why are we not investigating and stopping this at the demand level? Let me just quickly reintroduce everybody. If you're just tuning in to us here on Truth to Power, my name is Justin Mogg. I'm a volunteer here at the station co-hosting with my good friend Ruth Newman, who's in the virtual studio with us. Also joining us today to talk about National Slavery and Human Trafficking Awareness Month as we wrap up January are uh, some folks from PATH, the PATH Coalition, People Against Trafficking Humans, PATH Coalition of ky.org you just heard from dr Teresa hayden who's immediate past board president we also have reggie carico the current board president and jeanette westbrook a social worker and human rights activist and defender is on the line with us too this is a really rich conversation i'm glad we have a full hour for it because i can already see like all kinds of issues coming up what is i don't know if ruth has a burning question but what keeps coming up in my mind now is and and Jeanette, you pointed to it when you talked about the three counties in Nevada where prostitution is legal. How does that influence the whole human trafficking aspect of this issue? If we, I'm sure there are people who argue that prostitution should be legalized in the U.S. It is legal in some places in the I world. I would say it should be decriminalized. Or decriminalized. Not there you legalized. go. Okay, let's talk about that. What would well, be a, a good policy way forward? I, I would say to that situation in Nevada, and there have been some legal and legislative pieces around that where abolitionists have moved to close those brothels because the reality is many of those women are not there by their own volition. Hmm. Okay, They're not there because they want to be there. And in fact, they have discovered some are actually trafficking victims there. So, so but, but if, we, if we keep human trafficking itself illegal and we decriminalize yes. the prostitution, does that help at all? Well, well you know, here's the thing on, the pro on decriminalization. I wish we would get rid of the word because it's very confusing to people. <laughs> decriminalization that's why we have these conversations so we can clear up the terminology. Yeah, yeah. Now we're now we're talking about it. All right, go ahead, Jeanette. Yes, from the abolitionist uh, point of view, when we say decriminalization, we mean decriminalizing the women okay. that are the victims in the exploitive sex trafficking industry and making accountable the traffickers and the buyers. Okay. That is what is generally known as the Nordic model or the equality model. Can I just kind of add in here the, the laws that are being passed? You know, we have the federal legislation against human trafficking in 2000, and then the states, each state slowly passed their own trafficking law. They're very familiar. But we all re realized that we were criminalizing in particular, youth, 
under 18. Huh. And so to take this to the decriminalization point, we had what's called the safe harbor laws. And these were passed about 2013, somewhere along that line. Each state that I'm aware of has passed these laws. I know Kentucky has in particular. Mm -hmm. That protects any child who is involved in prostitution because a child cannot be a prostitute. There is no such right, yeah, thing. Right, yeah, they can't legally consent to it. <laughs> and so if that's the, the act, <laughs> then that, per, that child is protected in that sense. And then we begin to address the problem then of the person who's buying. And taking that broader is what I think Jeanette and, and Reggie are saying here is where we really need to go with this in many in as the adult people. Right. Because it's always the there's there's for me, there's the wide range of sex workers. There's the one that gets into it, you know, ethically and consensually and they set their boundaries up. But when they're choosing to eventually get out of that work or maybe go on to do something else, well, their resume has, well, I worked at this establishment as, you know, XYZ and it's very difficult for me to switch into any other industry. Um, and then on the flip side of that, there's also the individuals that did not get into that and did not choose this life, but that's the only experience they had. So they continue to do with what they know so how do they get out of that when we constantly you know criminalize them for what they're doing here when they didn't choose to do that so it's it's a two-sided where it's it kind of hits both sides of that well then also we're going into a broader social problem here yeah. that you've identified oh <laughs> what do you mean i mean we have to go there right oh absolutely i am more than happy to go so, there anytime so, so we have people particularly women young people who've been caught up in this adverse circumstances for mm -hmm. great many years of their life they're not educated they're stigmatized they're put in as oppressed groups to get an education is very hard to do. Um, and, and expensive. Then, <laughs> and yes, and in particular, get a, an employ a job. So we're creating a circle here. I can't tell you how every time I teach my course, I have at least one person, one, sometimes two, to tell me this has been their past. They, this has happened to them in their life. Wow. And it's very disheartening. And so I think that's kind of the passion that keeps me going is because I see the reality of it. But yep. Reggie and, and uh, I'm looking Jeanette. straight at Jeanette <laughs> <laughs> are hitting on all the right points here. Yes, absolutely. Do we well, I have a quickie, quickie question just to clarify for me. So you point out that you know, people under 18, it's not criminalized, but I wouldn't understand why any person who's giving sex would be the one considered to be a criminal. Anyone, whether they're 50, 60, thank 70 you, years Ruth. old. I mean, I, no, I, I agree with you there, but <laughs> this is the world we live in right now. This is the society we oh. live in. It's been that way okay. forever. It's okay to exploit a woman. I demand Because those laws it. were written by men. Yes. Right? Hey. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate the gentleman calling that out in the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now, let, let me just say this. You know, on the legislative end, we have massive right now, today, all kinds of legislation going around the United States to legalize prostitution. Or they will also use 
that terminology, decriminalization, but what they mean when they say decriminalization. So they're trying to interchange things that doesn't Hold on exactly just a moment, mean. Please. Just a moment. What they mean is decriminalizing uh, the sellers, the traffickers, and the buyers. Okay, they want everyone involved in it decriminalized. Okay, abolitionists, us abolitionists, for your information at the national level, we do not use the word sex work because we do not see it as a job. It's a form of exploitation. And to back that up, that's exactly what CEDA states. And that's exactly what the uh, uh, Declaration of Human Rights states. It is a form of exploitation. So um, these are endeavors by organized members of organized crime are behind much of this legislation legalize and quote decriminalize um and there's a lot of legislators and others that don't fully understand uh sure. because it's being presented to them in a way that it sounds very practical yeah. <laughs> and it sounds like well, we can't incarcerate all of these people. We cannot adjudicate all of these people in the court systems. And um, it, it is not anything uh, to where we're wanting to go. And that's all the way from the Department of Justice uh, all the way down. And that is not anything we want. We want those persons in prostitution, which is quote, the, the other side uses sex work. It's not a job, it's prostitution. And, you know, they want, what we want and what they agree on is we don't want the women who are actually in prostitution, whether they're there voluntarily or not. We don't want them criminalized. We don't want them arrested. We don't want that to happen, but where the problem is, is when we say, well, we're going to criminalize the buyers and arrest and adjudicate them, the other side, well, hey, that's how I make my money. That's where my money comes from is the buyers. Hmm. So there's a real disconnect right there. And there's a really a war going on about that. Um, so it's, so it, yeah. it's kind of the flip thinking of those who are trying to be more progressive about drug use say we want to decriminalize it for users, but keep it criminalized for sellers. So it's the opposite in prostitution. I'm, I'm wrapping my brain around this, okay? That's a good analogy, yeah, Justin. Yeah, it's good. a very complicated, um, it, it's very complicated topic. It has many yeah. different layers and many different ways of looking at it. But uh, so much of it is societal beliefs that, you know, that's okay for me to exploit another person if it right. benefits me and right. it's okay for someone to participate in that so it's a matter of addressing those belief systems that exist within our societies well i have a question about that too since this is so widespread and it's been going on for so many what thousands maybe i don't know mm -hmm. thousands of years i mean is yeah. it really the oldest profession they say it is i don't know that, yeah. <laughs> it's actually the world's oldest oppression yeah. oppression yeah. there yeah. you yeah. go Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. i like question. that i like that 
then, then my question is, is do we, because I don't have kids, I don't know. And because young people are really vulner, vulnerable, especially when they're, when they're going through puberty, do we have any, anything in our public school curricula that addresses this and makes it part of classroom learning? Ruth, you just came to my heart. That's why we have PATH, People Against Trafficking <laughs> Humans. That's our mission, is to educate and raise awareness. And we promote these type of programs. And we're really working hard to get within the school systems and to begin to address this, to educate parents, educate young people, because they don't realize and understand how easy this takes place. Some of the stories that we know have been the simplest happenings and of people in in society at your it's not the the depressed the oppressed groups that you might think of stigmatized but the white girls who've grown up in pretty wealthy homes who get in, it, trapped into this so yes that's where path steps in that's that's our role and why we work so hard at what we do yeah that's that's one of the things that we like to look at um so i did a project with mercy academy it was uh there they had two juniors that was interested in learning about human trafficking so um they reached out to us and i said yeah i'd be happy to um provide any insight that i could um in regards to this and it was teaching you know kind of educating them on like okay so it's not the taken scenario where you know you're snatched off the streets often somebody that you meet online which I mean online communities are great but you just have to learn how to navigate like okay don't share you know your exact location like get the red flags like okay yeah. this person's starting to ask like really creepy questions or something that's making me really uncomfortable so yeah. that's when you trust those intuition kind of hits and like okay maybe i should like backtrack and like um learning how to understand the grooming process and learning how to identify a safe and trustworthy adult um especially at you know a very vulnerable age because I, I, I take it I'm the youngest one here, so I'm the closest <laughs> to that time. But you're, so. you're, you're perhaps a digital native, unlike those of us born before the Internet, right? Ooh, and I so, was right there at the start, okay, man. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, you're bringing up some really interesting points that I wanted to dive into, is how does uh, digital exploitation tie into all this? I think a lot of us might, have, especially as older folks, have a conception of prostitution as being like streetwalkers and, you know, in-person sex acts. But actually now a lot of this exploitation is taking place online, right? Right. Yeah. And we, sh we showed that with the back page uh, work that we did. Uh, um, that You don't have them standing on the street corners anymore. There's It's it's through the social media ads and it, you know, primarily in many, many ways. I mean, in just two weeks ago, in TV here in Louisville, uh, discussed a case of a, a city worker who was arrested for sex trafficking, and and that took place through the phone and the digital media. You know, and that's yes, that's yeah. how it's happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, it's one of those where one of the other things that uh, we talked about in the the virtual stuff is it always. Traffickers are looking for individuals on like kid oriented platforms specifically that have the ability to do a chat function. Oh, okay. So yeah. they start building the relationship that way just 
very casual conversation and then after a while you're like oh well i developed you know a relationship with online you know joe schmo but right. now it you know it develops further and it kind of goes in a little bit further that way to where they switch to a different social media where they find you know phone numbers and email and they start sharing more personal information like i don't mind sharing hi my name is reggie i am you know the whatever x y and z i live in louisville because louisville is a very large place it's kind of hard yeah. to like very specifically find me there but if so, you start talking about which school you go to what school you go to what activities it, what you, church go to. you go to yeah yeah and social media is another thing that they use i think the thing that i have the hardest time accepting is social media was like built for to like share like oh my kids are growing up big and tall and <laughs> you're showing the pictures or their birthdays today they're this age and unfortunately traffickers are using exactly that information because you're posting so much yeah. like i get like everyone wants to share because i don't get me wrong i love seeing your kids doing cute things but on the other the other half of me is like oh my gosh but you're sharing all this specific information on like what school what grade like yeah. what activities they do after school so they can find things to like build a conversation like oh what kind of activities oh i was in making those those bonds that way and it just it makes me so sad that we live in this world <laughs> yeah. where we can't just share things with people anymore yeah. um because people are exploiting that yeah. um and they just get trickier and trickier so um, that was kind of the thing that I learned recently was the whole social media and like kid oriented app pa platforms. Like wow. it's crazy. So this is a caution to parents to be careful about how you post about your children, but also how your children use these, right. these apps in the internet, right? And start building conversations with your <clears throat> yeah, kids. Yeah, talk about it. Yeah, right? not just have like a one-time like, oh, well, you know, has there has anyone said anything like to you that kind of made you feel uncomfortable? Let's unpack that and yeah. look at things that way. Like it has to be an ongoing thing because um, my parents never had anything like that whatsoever. Yeah. And... It, didn't even dawn on them to have that type of conversation. So well, PATH provides programs for this. We'll come into your school. We'll come into your your, your agency. You know, we work with digital 101, basic human trafficking, and how this happens with young young people and in and, and other situations. So we're happy to respond to anyone on that. So when I was growing up, my parents thought nothing about letting me run the streets, go to the playground by myself, right? Totally unsupervised. But if I wanted to, like, turn the television on or imagine if there were computers and internet in those days, they would have been all over controlling that and what I was exposed to and, and vice versa. Now it seems to have flipped where parents, like, will not let their kids leave their site except when they're in the playground of the internet, right? And then, it, and then it's, yeah. it's a, I would think it's even harder to control that. I can't imagine how, how you control it, honestly, but we need to get more educated about that, right? Reggie and, and Teresa, are, and Ruth, you asked some very good questions there. When we're talking about social media and how that is being used as the gateway and the primary um, trafficking, right now, what you can do in the U.S. Senate is a bill called the Earn It Act of 2020, and it's Senate Bill 3398. And what you can do is call your senators. In this case, it would be 
uh, <clears throat> Mitch McConnell, <laughs> Rand Paul, and, uh, you know, wouldn't do any good to call Yarmouth because he's a senior, uh, I mean, a junior in the uh, different part of Congress. But you have to call your Congress um, and that the district that you're in and say, you want the Earn It Act passed. Now, the Earn It Act is legislation that would hold some of the internet providers accountable for taking off uh, many of these platforms and individuals that are engaging in human trafficking. One of the things that happened during the pandemic was that suddenly you had a lot of people at home and they're on their internet and they found out that it's just two clicks away on your computer mm. to seeing a child rape. Wow. To seeing a child obviously uh, being tortured. To see a lot of things that people in their wildest minds would not believe that you could access that readily. And in fact, these rooms, um, or whether it's they're showing child pornography, whether it's lifetime or live screen abuse, is that through this, we have actually the pictorial record of crimes being committed mm. against children and others. So we want to have, and we have agencies that are looking at all of this, but quite frankly, law enforcement is completely outgunned. There are so many images, and I mean, not just images, but live time. Yeah. Oriole images of children and adults being victimized that law enforcement can't keep up with it. So there are some entities that are now trying to compile this data and it's really like a triage type of operation where they're trying to pick and choose which ones to go after. Okay, so um, this was the mantra at the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women last year was, why aren't we holding these traffickers accountable? Because according to the TIP report, the Trafficking in Persons report, the needle has not moved wow. at all in the number of prosecutions. Wow. So we're virtually not doing anything. And why that is often, as far as arresting, to formulate and move a case, you have to have the victim witness. You have to have a victim witness. Now, it's a little bit, well, it's quite a bit different in human trafficking because that is a federal offense. Okay. You don't necessarily need the victim to testify. But it depends on where that case lands in the local courts, in the state courts, or in the federal courts. And quite frankly, they're not working together very well when it comes to that. But that is something everyone can do, call and ask their senator, just leave a message and say, you want the Earn It Act passed. 
And that's Bill 3398. Just a reminder, Forward Radio does not uh, advocate for any passage of any particular legislation, but our guests sure do. And you just heard from our (laughs) guest, Jeanette Westbrook, a social worker and human rights activist and defender. We're also speaking today with Reggie Carrico and Teresa Hayden from PATH, People Against Trafficking Humans Coalition of Kentucky. You can learn more about them at pathcoalitionofky.org. My name is Justin Morgan. Ruth Newman's also in the virtual studio with me today. Today, co-hosting here on Truth to Power. January is wrapping up, and it is National Slavery and Human Trafficking Awareness Month. Uh, slavery. We haven't really mentioned that word too much. I think it's a word a lot of Americans associate with the distant past. But modern-day slavery is a real thing. Is there any distinction here between slavery and human trafficking? Well, it's, it's holding a person hostage, and that's done by many means. The psychological means... Uh, quite often they're going to get them into drugs very, very, okay. very quickly. They're going to be using drugs, and that, that holds a person hostage, um, you know, alcohol, any any of those type of things. Psychological manipulations, absolutely, that's how this occurs. That's where the slavery, the removal of freedom to t- make your choice in this activity. Yeah, the three words that we like to really reinforce is they either use force, fraud, or coercion. So they're forcing an individual into it, they're fraudulently lying and manipulating them into a certain, or they're coercing them into a certain scenario. So, um, yeah. And the so, diff- so would this include sweatshops also? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. With regard absolutely. to Im- immigrants. That's, yes, absolutely. The Nike shoes, so many of our products, the soccer balls, they're produced in sweatshops overseas, and we're not aware of that. That makes us a participant in the buying of human trafficking and promoting that activity. Yes. Um, I think one of the most like eye-opening <laughs> things on that regard is um, it's the how many slaves do you have quiz, and you go through and you click like okay I have X amount of like T-shirts I have X amount like what electronics do you have in your home what food do you eat and it hits every single industry, and mm. people are like well I'm so conscientious like of course I don't have anything but it's just like but what about your smartphones what about your television sets well, what are, slaveryfootprint.com yes and anybody can do it and it's a real eye-opener that's the first thing i have my students do the first day of class is to to go to slaveryfootprint.com and then um or it may be dot org but it's a very it's an eye-opener of how much i participate in this how much i contribute to the demand of this and yes it's dot org or just is it dot org yeah, yeah. yes i i recommend that as well you know i'm often at uofl as the sustainability coordinator having people calculate their carbon footprint but i always nope, say yep, there you go. just as important calculate your slavery footprint yes, and realize yes. that these these issues are complicated and in a lot of ways intertwined too absolutely uh and, and when you when you say overseas i want to point out too sometimes that's under u.s control in u.s yes. territories right uh yes. that yes. are weirdly have no state status yeah saipan i mean all these places in the world we don't think about right where people yeah. are subject to exploitation even in u.s territories well if you'd like a report on that <laughs> the united states states department puts out what's called a tip report every year We've been doing this since 2000, so there's, what, 20-some-odd tip reports, trafficking in persons, and it scores countries on their level of how they watch and what their legislation is and that type of thing. So that's 
when you're when you need uh, something else to some light reading, that's a good place to go. <laughs> Isn't that the one that it kind of also breaks down industry as well? Like in this country, it breaks it down like okay, in this part, like in this industry, it's yeah. very difficult. It's like or, yeah, 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 like mining or the fishing industry yes, or something like. Okay, yeah. it was that it report. Is. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. the tip report. Well, yeah. What about the military? Well, the military is not immune to this, and unfortunately, we know that it's also a big promoter of this. I mean, I had a student who was in the military, and that's how I came to know so much about how this takes place in the military. It's part of that culture there as well. But um, this student was involved and had to be part of the investigation. Uh, One of the officers was actually bringing young women to his home on the weekend and selling them out to other army officials military officials yes it it is there and we know it we know it surrounds military bases it's all part of the culture and the society where we establish our beliefs and and what is it that we believe in what is it we're willing to go along with it's no coincidence that the concentration of strip clubs is along the corridor it's on the way to Fort Knox. <laughs> Absolutely right? no, 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 no coincidence. Yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, when I mentioned to other people in other states that we have 27 uh, operating strip joints in Louisville, people are aghast. There's that many. But in addition to that, I'm aghast. I'm aghast. I did not know it was 27. Yeah, I did not know it was 27 either. In Jefferson County, there are 27 strip clubs. Okay, even with Jefferson County. So, so out when you get to Hardin County, where Fort Knox is, you count a different number out there. Yeah, sure. Good lord. But in addition to that, we have other sites that we know are uh, involved in trafficking and prostitution. And those are uh, massage parlors and nail parlors, both of those. And actually those are just some places that are up in our face, but actually a brothel uh, can be anywhere. It can be in, in your neighborhood, in some home close to your home. And do are and, they uh, do they move yeah, around? Are they temporary? They often are temporary and move around. But when you're talking about businesses like uh, massage parlors, and you've seen them at every single strip mall in the city of Louisville, you see nail parlors in every single strip mall in Louisville. I personally don't know that many women who are getting their nails done. <laughs> That can actually financially support the huge number of nail parlors we have. Really, it's it's often a front. When you start going around and looking in the back of these businesses, you see the little camera above the back door. And there's other indicators um, that you can see. But in one that's close to my home here, a nail parlor, you never see anybody in there. That is in the front part. Yeah. But wow. the back parking lot is filled. Wow. So there's there's those kinds of indicators. And when it comes to the word slavery, I contend slavery has never ended in the United States of America. It has continued in different forms. The things that we're talking about here today existed then. And labor 
and in sex trafficking. Kentucky had uh, uh, plantations here that uh, or settings here where they were uh, meant to breed slaves. Okay, because after the transcontinental slavery was ended in the United States, that means that those who held people in slavery had to produce their own slaves, and that meant breeding them. Yeah, yeah. So we had some entities here. The whole goal was to breed women enslaved, that would be African-American women primarily, to lighten their skin. Mm. So they would be marketable uh, to men out west and in other areas. So we engage. There's many, many tentacles to this. And we really have not stopped any of this. There's some new things that we have now, and that is organ harvesting, where our people are trafficked primarily to harvest their organs, like a kidney. Wow. Um, There was a a big story that's going around the Internet right now in Afghanistan. People are starving and families are selling their girl children. And one father said, I sold two of my daughters, and now I have to sell one of my kidneys. Oh, my God. Well, and they also, some of those organs are taken out the eyes of people, and those eyes are being sold. I mean, this is a reality that we don't believe happens, but it is part of us when we participate in one form or the other of that product, so to speak, the supply that comes out of that. Yes. Wow. We are are towards the end we only have like five minutes left and now we're getting into some real dark dark areas um but i, I do want to give a, a second to talk about the upcoming events that january is not over yet right and there's actually two events uh that path is associated with that are coming up just this monday january 31st right yes. you want to talk about that yeah so um we found out that for nonprofits, um the individuals that will control the lights on the Big Four Bridge, um, do it at a discounted price for nonprofits. So on uh, January 31st, like you said, we're going to light up the bridge The bridge blue. Um, like Jeanette mentioned, she's wearing her blue. I'm wearing blue as well Yay. today. I don't. I know people can't see me, but I'm wearing my blue. <laughs> um, so that's what we're going to be focusing on. So make sure you make it out, take a selfie. Um, we're doing uh, hashtag human trafficking awareness month. So we're doing a lot that way. Um, also on the 31st, um, UofL Women's Center um, is going to host a workshop in partnership with us. So that's from 5 to 630. You can register on UofL's Facebook page. Um, right now, we know we have 160 registered wow. to attend the, the workshop. Yep. Um, apparently all over the state and all over the country, and everybody can still register. And it's online. You can join from anywhere. Yep. We're d- still doing a lot of our events virtually. Um, in addition, on uh, February 24th is going to be the 12th Annual Human Trafficking Awareness Conference that we're also partnering with um, U of L Women's Center as well. So um, you can go to U of L Human Trafficking Awareness Conference, or you can get it through uh, our website, Path Coalition of KY.org, um, or our Facebook page. So those are those are the things that we have uh, coming up right now. Great. And we'll put all that information in the program notes on the podcast version of this program, which you can find at forwardradio.org. We'll give you the link to register for that January 31st, 5 p.m., workshop on human trafficking awareness and prevention and it's free and it's free don't miss it uh there's so much more to learn obviously uh and then 
And just one real quick, I, I really wanted to ask when you're talking about legislation, is there any legislation in Kentucky specifically that folks should be aware of related to human trafficking? Well, just last couple of years ago, we passed House Bill 2, which increased the ability to make arrests and, and go forward with that. Um, the Attorney General Cameron's office is working very heavily on this. They have a campaign that's called Your Eyes Save Lives. I'm in contact with them quite often about with some of their prosecutors up there and the attorneys. There is much being done on this. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Any last words to wrap in our last few minutes about other ways or ideas for how people can get involved and, and keep learning about this? Can individuals join PATH or is it organizations? Uh, anybody and everybody. Anybody so, and everybody. Uh, <laughs> um, right now, we would love to have anybody who has legal, financial, or legislative experience to kind of come in and okay. kind of expand our horizon. We have a lot of individuals um, from different uh, Catholic organizations, so we have a lot of sisters that are involved. Um, and then we have uh, a couple medical professionals, including myself, um, and then we have a lot of social workers. So we kind of have those niches filled, but we're always willing to take either organizations um, or individuals, either if they want to just come in and, you know, be a community contributor or they're interested in joining our board um, or if they would like to become a donor. I mean, you know, we got to pay our community pay presenter who's uh, <laughs> working real hard to get this information out there. So check them out at pathcoalitionofky.org or find them on Facebook the same way. I want to thank our guests on Truth to Power today. Reggie Carrico, board president, thank you so much for taking the time and wearing yeah. blue today. <laughs> and thank you, Dr. Teresa Hayden, immediate past board president as well. It's good to have you in the studio with us. Thank you. And Jeanette Westbrook, wonderful to make radio again with you, social worker and human rights advocate. I'm sure we'll see you again here on Forward Radio. Yes, I'd really like to thank Pat for inviting me onto this program today. And uh, my shout out to Pat for the great work that they're doing. Thank you so much. You are making a difference in the state of Kentucky. Yes, they are. And thank you, Ruth Newman, for joining us today, too. Good to be with you again. Yes, indeed. Yes. Um, is there time for one more question or not? <laughs> oh, make it real, real quick. We'll see if we can squeeze it in. You said at the beginning about homes and shelters that you had started out with that idea. So if somebody is in some kind of trouble, where can they go? Oh, that's a tricky one here in Louisville. Well, there are, some good, uh, there are some good shelters, and we can put you in contact with with them it would be hard to, to list them or name them right here but okay. definitely okay. if you want to contact one of us uh some way we would be absolutely wonderful to, to do that we uh let go of that idea because of the complications with it and in working with the people who are surviving trauma and we decided it would be best for us to go forward with education and awareness but there are absolutely some great fantastic places here in louisville and in kentucky that can provide those services yes. okay good i'm glad you asked that one that was important but i'm sorry we're all out of time my friends <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in to truth to power and we will be back in your ears again in one week's time my friends be well